There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the redeemed. So after we had been there that day, um, we didn't want to go back. We wanted to stay. We wanted to hear more preaching. We wanted to be a part of that meeting that was going on. And uh, Brother McVeigh and my dad had talked to me one afternoon. We were having lunch in between services, and they said, listen, LaRoches, you don't need to go home. Here's $100. We're gonna, you go get a room at the motel down the road, and you stay, and you, you know, we'll, we'll take care of that. You don't worry about it. And that was pretty marvelous to me as well. I've never really seen people do anything, you know, that was just generous. And for them to care enough for us to stay, to be preaching that they would pay for us to have a room to stay. It just, it was just wonderful to me. Um, It meant something. And that same week during those services, there was a man of God who I do not, did not personally know. And he has since gone home to be with the Lord. But I've heard many good testimonies from other people of this uh, man, that he was a man of God. And uh, his name was Brother Paul Foltz. And one day after a service, and I don't remember what was preached about, but he stood up in that service and he said, listen, there's a spirit of a spirit of rebellion in this church this afternoon. And God is saying that he's going to blow out that candle forever. If you don't take this serious, if you don't stop messing around and start going after him and seeking him, making that change that you know needs to be made, he's going to blow out your candle forever and it's done. And I remember being more terrified than I've ever been scared in my entire life when he said that because I knew he was talking to me directly. I was burning hot from the inside out. I thought I was going to vomit. I was so scared. And I purposed and determined in my heart from that moment, I will not play games. Whatever God wanted me to do, I would seek him and I wanted him. I wanted to know him personally. I wanted what I could see some other people had. When I met Pastor John Asquith at the Black Creek, Black Creek Baptist Church, I really saw Jesus for, I think, the first time in him because I thought, oh my goodness, like he has to have it. It has to be real. You just have to know him to be able to see his generosity and his care for people without Christ and what he'll do for somebody in the hopes of winning them to Christ is just truly marvelous. And Oh boy, I think I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> okay, it doesn't matter. Then we're just going to go back to whenever I was scared. I purposed in my heart. I know what I was going to say. I wanted to have something real too. I'd seen something real in other people and I didn't want my candle blown out. I didn't want to go to hell and I didn't want to stay stuck in my misery and just live this awful shell of a life that I've lived all these years and nothing ever made it feel any better, no matter how hard I tried to numb it or make it feel good or whatever. It just always hurt. It was always horrible. And I said, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to come. I want to be a part of the preaching as much as possible. I want to just 
immerse myself in the house of God and I want to change. I want an actual changed life. I wanted to find him. And within just, I think just a few short weeks of us going back and forth that hour and a half, one way to the services, my husband and I were already dreaming of being able to move out there and just be a part of that church, be close to the things of God and live a different life. And now that's not really that miraculous because we've run away a lot. Um, we've moved a lot. And each time we were really just running away. We wanted a fresh start. We wanted to start over, but we always started over the same way. And so it never was a fresh start and nothing ever changed. But this was different. We wanted to move because we wanted to be under the preaching. We wanted to move because we wanted to be where God was. And that might sound silly to some people, but my husband, he found a job very quickly in Olean, just uh, 20 minutes maybe from where we live now. And his boss actually had the home that we now rent. So God just provided all of that within um, about a month, maybe a month and a half of the first time we attended a service, we had, we moved out to Cuba. We, it takes us maybe six or eight minutes, if that, to drive to church every, every service. And God is just so good to allow us to have been able to make that move, to make that transition. Everything just worked out perfectly. I wonder why God was drawing us. Of course he was, he was drawing me. And I would sit under the preaching after that point, and God just did a miraculous work in my heart. I truly longed for Him. I truly longed for the things of God. He he was very attractive to me, Jesus was, um, because I just knew that that's where my healing was. I knew that my healing laid in Jesus Christ and that only He could fix me, only He could make me whole and give me this new life. I always wished I could be happy and I love my husband and I love my son and for years I lived with them, loving them, but always wondering why I couldn't be truly happy with them because, like I said, when I went to bed at night, I didn't truly have real happiness or peace or joy. I just felt so broken, like there was something so wrong with me that we couldn't be truly happy. And God has done a wonderful thing for my family. Just wonderful. We no longer live in a home where my son goes to bed at night, probably with his fingers in his ears, because his parents were out up late every night, drinking and carrying on and being foolish and listening to filthy music and just carrying on. And that's how we went to bed. And I remember thinking that I was, I was just so self-righteous thinking I'll never be like my parents. I'll never put my children through what they put me through. And I used to think that we were so much better than them because, because my husband is not loud like my dad was. He didn't break things. We didn't scream and fight. But we put my son through the same hell. We were no better. Oh gosh, I'm jumping around so much that... I'm going all out of order, but a lot has happened. God has done so much. It's it's hard to keep it on one straight track. Excuse me. But I sat under the preaching. There's an October meeting at our church in Black Creek as well. And two years ago in October, Brother McVeigh came and he preached that meeting. And I was under conviction the whole meeting. I remember sitting there and there'd be tears coming down my face as he would preach different things. 
especially when he would speak of just women destroyed in sin and just the wretchedness of their lives. And he would speak of their conversion or the healing that's taken place. I would so long for that. I would sit there thinking and, and praying that it could be me, that it could happen for me. And the last night of that meeting, of October meeting, I was sitting there and I believe Brother McVeigh had said, you know, people sit there and you linger and you take care of things. If God's speaking to you, don't get up and just go home and leave. And so I sat there and I was upset and I was troubled. I was convicted. And I remember exactly what God showed me that night as I was sitting there and I was in my pew and I was just praying to him and I had no idea what to even ask him or to say. And I had no idea what he was going to do or what he could do. And I remember clearly that night, he said in my heart to me, he said, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And I thought, Ooh, well, I've done that. I've done that my whole life. I've always put other things before God. I've always had other gods before him. And so I, I immediately took that and I knew I was guilty. That's all I got that night. I shouldn't say all, not like it's a small thing, but I wasn't saved that night. But I took that home with me and we went home and I remember we had this chalkboard, magnetic chalkboard that was on our refrigerator. And I remember taking out green chalk and I wrote on the chalkboard that night, thou shalt have no other gods before me. I didn't want to take it lightly and I didn't want to forget that that night. And I wrote that there and I remember I'd just go through the kitchen, I'd go in and out of the fridge and I'd look at that and I'd read that and I'd wonder, what does that, what does that mean? Like, where, where will this go, you know? But, but again, I was not saved that night. And there was a couple more meet, uh, services in between then and there because I believe Brother McVeigh went over to Wellsville that Sunday night and, so there was a service there, and again, I was convicted, I was tore up, but I did not get saved that night. The next week, so it had been almost a week, it was a Thursday night, six days after God had showed me, thou shalt have no other gods before me. We went to a mission missions conference in Shingle House, Pennsylvania, where uh, Pastor Phil Seeley has a church there. And there was a man, Joshua Rhodes, uh, he was preaching there. And Thursday night, I was so torn up over my sin, over my condition, over the fact that I still did not have relief. I did not have peace or joy. I was still bothered and still things were better in my life. We hadn't been drinking for about four months by that point. I mean, things were definitely better. God had already had so much goodness and mercy and grace poured out on our lives, but but I was not saved. I still didn't know him, so I wasn't fixed yet. And uh, Thursday night, I was tore up. I was so bothered, but I left that night again without Jesus Christ. We went back again Friday night, and I was convicted probably as soon as I sat down and just just wanting, wanting Him, wanting that relationship, wanting to be saved. And the um, Brother Rhodes preached that night. He preached about the woman who washed Jesus' feet with her hair, and he also preached on the woman at the well. Again, I just thought I wanted to put myself in the shoes of those women because those were women that God had that God had saved and made whole and healed and I just wanted to be that woman I wanted him to heal me and make me whole and that night my my heart just cried out for him that night and brother Rhodes declared in the preaching that night being a church girl in and out my whole life how many times do you think I have heard that my father God in heaven can forgive anyone that's 
pretty much the main message that's preached, right? You're a sinner and only God can forgive you. But that night he just, he said it more than once. He said, my father can forgive anyone. And he, he wasn't just saying it lightly. He was declaring it. And it was so heavy to me because I needed much forgiveness. It was so heavy. He said, my father can forgive anyone. And I thought, well, if he can forgive anyone, then he has to be able to forgive me because I'm anyone. And uh, after the service was over, I didn't go up to the altar. I sat glued to my pew. It was like lead was in my shoes. I couldn't get up. I was so heavy. I was so weighed down with my sin. But more than anything that night, I remember so clearly I had a loneliness for Jesus Christ that was so heavy and so unbearable. I thought, I need him. He's the only thing that can make me feel better and that can make me whole. He's the only one. I want to be able to go to bed. I want to be able to to know him and I want him to know me. And so I looked at my husband just sobbing and I said, I cannot leave. We cannot go home. I cannot get up out of this pew. And Pastor Hain, he looked at me and he saw me upset and he came over and he talked to me and he told me something that night that he had already told me before, maybe a week, maybe two weeks before. And he said, Chelsea, don't compare yourself to anyone else. Stop comparing yourself to other people and thinking that the same thing that happened to them, it's going to be what happened to you. And that night it clicked. He said it before, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't apply it. I didn't take hold on of it, of his words of wisdom. But that is what I was doing. There are people in our church that I had believed their testimonies. I believed that they were truly born again. And they had these great, to me, what sounded like these great explosive salvation experiences where these fireworks just went off and these amazing things happened. And I thought, this isn't happening for me. Where are the fireworks? And it's got to happen the way it happened for them or it's not It's not real. It just can't be real. But Pastor Hain told me that again that night. He said, don't compare yourself to other people. You're a different person. God wants to save you. He's already saved them. And I believed him that night and I took it to heart and I said, you know, I should probably listen to that. And so I stopped worrying about that. And I just, I told God right there, I said, God, I am choosing to give up my way of thinking this night. My way of thinking doesn't benefit me. I I can't think up salvation myself. I can't think up these fireworks or these things that happen to these other people. And I told him, I'm just going to choose to believe right now that what you say in the word of God is true, that the promises you've given to us are true. In other words, the promise that that man of God said tonight, that my father can forgive anyone. I'm going to believe that it's true and that you can forgive me and that you can save me. And that's what I told him. And I looked at my husband and I said, I think we can go. I didn't even tell him right that. I didn't say I got saved. I just said, I think we can go home now. I'm ready to go. And it's about a 40, 45 minute drive home and it was dark. And I just remember looking out the window in awe, just wondering, is this it? Like, am I saved? Because that was, that wasn't what I was thinking was going to happen. That wasn't what I was expecting because no fireworks went off. But I was able to get up and go home. I didn't have that hole in my heart anymore. I didn't feel lonely for Jesus anymore. I didn't feel, I didn't feel broken and busted anymore. I just felt like I can go home. And so we went home that night and I still kind of wanted to just feel it all out, examine it and, and just be sure, you know, because I didn't want to say anything to my husband as he was a lost man as well. And I didn't want to, I always worry that 
if I, you know, I was worried that if I'm not really saved and I'm just making a false profession, I could damage somebody else and, and, um, hinder them. But I, yeah, I couldn't contain it. We, I was like, we need to go in the room. We need to talk. And I just asked him, will you get down and pray with me? I'm pretty sure I just got saved and we got down on our knees together and we just prayed. And whenever I started praying, I didn't even know what I was thinking about or what I was about to pray about. And I had, I don't know if I've really thought about this in quite a while. It's just coming to me. Tears are just pouring out of my eyes onto the bed. And I just remembered in that moment, I realized how thankful I was for the last several years of my life. And I just started thanking God for those years. And I started thanking God for my family, for my husband and my son and all that he had brought us through and all that he had allowed us to go through. The fact that he drew us out of that life, out of that darkness. He drew me out of that to himself. And I just remember, I didn't even know where it came from, but I just remember thanking him for all of it and just wondering at what had just happened. And uh, I probably should shut up here soon, but I have said a couple of times since then in testifying in church service and different things like that, that, you know, how you kind of hear that cliche thing that the world says sometimes like, oh, that person, they found Jesus now. Like, oh, Chelsea found Jesus. She's not going to do that anymore. And I've said, I didn't find Jesus. Jesus found me because I wasn't even looking for him. I had a Bible shoved in a box somewhere in my house somewhere I was living for myself and for my sin I wasn't looking for Jesus he found me he reached down into the dirt and he picked me out of it and he pulled me into this new life and he gave me fellowship with him and so many things I can't even begin to explain how grateful I, there's that verse oh I love this verse in the bible it talks about to who is forgiven much um, the same loveth much and the the part in the scripture that talks about um, who will be more thankful or who will love more. And Jesus says it's going to be the person who has been forgiven more. And oh my goodness, God has forgiven me for so, so much. Not even, I, I was so undeserving that he would even be a fraction of the amount of good that he was to me, but he poured out goodness on me, poured out mercy and love. And I was so unworthy of it. I am so unworthy of it. And I just marvel at what God has done. And I do pray that this will be a help to somebody because if you are somebody who maybe is in church right now and you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking that any of this sounds familiar, that you prayed a prayer and you asked Jesus to come into your heart and then you've sat in services and you've prayed that just in case backup prayer and you still go to bed at night, maybe you don't live that awful sinful outward sinful life that I did, but maybe you go to bed at night and you don't have that peace and you don't have that joy and you wonder and you and you don't have that relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe this will be a help to you and I hope that it will. I pray that God will use this to help somebody and I'm just thankful for the opportunity to share what Jesus has done for me. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning and he longs to return to the Lord as he cries for forgiveness and mercy. God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh 
on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption all at night. There only was now the angels of God are rejoicing, for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed.